Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're delighted that you've joined us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your hearts and minds as we enter God's Word. We've been talking about that thing all this past month, about how Jesus is the center of everything that needs to be happening at the church. We're going to continue that this morning. So turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to be talking about what is our role in God's story. Jesus is the center, so then what is the part that we play in God's story? Had a, a great worship already, man, with the music camp folk and the, the Puerto Rico trip. Wasn't that just a great, uh, a great uh, a summary of the Puerto Rico trip? You'll have to talk to them more and see some really neat things uh, that happened during that trip. Well... My daughter Alyssa has grown up and moved off to Los Angeles, but uh, when she was still here, she attended the University of Kentucky at their music school and uh, was in all of their plays, all of their dramas. And her senior year, she got the row of cassette uh, for the uh, UK production of Les Miserables. And uh, that's Alyssa standing there out in front of the big poster at Rupp Arena uh, for, for uh, the play that they were going to have there. It was, it was great. She had her own private dressing room because she had one of the parts. She got interviewed on television. She was in magazines. She was in the, the newspaper. I got a picture of her here during the, uh, the play. It sold out 21 straight performances, 27,000 people attended, and it was the number one performance in the history of the Lexington Opera House that started in the 1800s. Now, I tell you all that for this reason. All she had was a role in the story. It wasn't her story. Somebody else wrote it. Somebody else produced it. Somebody else was directing it. She had a role in the story. It was a major role in the story, but it wasn't her story. It was someone else's. And this morning, that's what I want you to understand about the church and what's going on with the church. You have an extremely important role, but it's God's story. You have an important part. You are essential to the story that God is making and that God is telling, but it's still God's story. Jesus is still the center of it all. So let's look over into 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to see our role in God's story. And the first thing we see is this. Every believer has been gifted by God and is expected to use those gifts to work for God. You're gifted by God, and God expects you to use those gifts. It's his story, remember? And so, yes, you have an important part. You're gifted. You have a role to play in it, and you're expected to fulfill that role. Look at verse 7 of chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So who's receiving spiritual gifts? To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. When you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, when you become a believer, God equips you. He gives you a spiritual gift. And the purpose of that spiritual gift is for you to be a part of his story and to fulfill his work and his ministry. It's a part of the common good. 
something we're doing to help God's kingdom, to help God's family, to move God's work forward. Every believer is gifted, and every believer is supposed to be using that gift for the common good. Now, we have three problems or three things that happen, three ways people look at it. One is uh, you have about 15 to 20% of the people who say, I believe God's gifted me and use it in ministry. When you look at a church, only 15 to 20% of the people do 85% of the work of the church. So you only have about 20% of the people who are saying, I believe I'm gifted and I'm going to do what God's called me to do. So then you have a big void. So why is that void there? Where are the other 80%? Well, they fall into one of two categories. First, they fall into the category of people who don't feel like they're gifted. Uh, when I did my doctor of ministry project at the seminary, uh, we were, I looked at uh, uh, involving laity in the ministry of the church. And I interviewed over 100 people in, in, in all different kinds of churches. And this is what I found out. The vast majority of people felt like God wanted them to do something, but they had no gift or talent to do anything. And so that was the most, that was where everybody fell down. I think God wants me to do something. I feel guilty that I'm not, but I have no idea what I was supposed to be doing and I have no gifts. Now, right here, we know from verse seven, that's not true. You might not know what your gift is. You might not be aware of that gift. You might think other gifts are more important and you don't value what God has given you, but every person has been gifted by God. On the day you were saved, God gifted you and expected you to use that gift for the common good. So you have people that use it, people who don't feel they're gifted, and then you have people who just don't do anything. They may know their gift or whatever, but they've worked in the past or they're through with it now or they're too busy and they just don't use their gift. But we start out with a very simple thing to each one, to every person, the spirit has been given for the common good. Everyone has been gifted and God expects you to use those gifts for his work. Our scripture passage goes on. The next thing we see is this, uh, is that, that not only are God, does God expect us to use those gifts, we were created and saved for ministry. Now, you're, you're, the, salvation is a whole lot broader than the work of ministry. But a part of you being saved, a part of your creation, was for you to do the work of God to begin with. Over in Ephesians chapter 2, if you want to turn over to that, Ephesians chapter 2, in verse 8, it says this. It is by grace you've been saved through faith. It is not of yourself. It's the gift of God. It's not by works. No one can boast. And then look at verse 10, Ephesians 2, verse 10. It says, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Look at verse 10 again up on the screen. You are God's workmanship. God did a work when he created you. And he created you so that you could be a part of doing good works to advance what he is doing. So not only has God gifted us in our salvation call and in our creation, God expected us to serve him. So there's no longer any excuse. Nobody can say, I I didn't know I was gifted. I didn't know God wanted me to work. Uh, You know, everyone is gifted. Everyone is called. God had created us to do good works. And that brings us to the second thing that we see in our scripture passage. When it comes to the gifts that God has given us, everyone's gifts are different, but they're equal and complementary. Everyone's gifts are different, 
but they're equal and they're complementary. Look down to verse 4. We're going to walk through this very uh, slowly because it makes some really good points in verse 4. So I'm going to read uh, verses 4 through 6 for you. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. Different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Everybody here is unique. Your fingerprint shows you're unique. Your fingerprint is different than any other person in the entire world. You are a totally unique person. In the same way, not only are you unique physically and in your makeup, you're unique in the spiritual gift that God has given you. Every spiritual gift is unique to the person. No one's going to have the same gift. So if you sit around and say, I want to be Billy Graham, I want to be the next Billy Graham. The problem is God already created Billy Graham. He wants you to be the real you in the way that he created you and what he gave you to do. And so he talks about spiritual gifts, and let's walk through it now in verse 4. Different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit that distributes them. So people in this room have different spiritual gifts that God has given them. So some of you may be gifted at evangelism. Some of you at teaching. Some of you might have the gift of hospitality. Some of you may be able to put up with preschoolers. I would be pulling my hair out in five minutes, you know, if I did that. That's not my spiritual gift, you know. It's amazing my children survived that age, you know. Later on, they had a good mother, you know, or something like that. Everybody has different gifts that God has given us, but the same spirit that distributes the gifts. So God is the same. He's just given us different gifts. Verse 5, there's different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Now, what's that mean? You may have the spiritual gift. Let's say you have the spiritual gift of hospitality, but you have a different service than someone else that may have that same gift. So maybe you use the gift of hospitality uh, to form a small group at your home. Another person uses the gift of hospitality uh, to, to, uh, for meals on Wednesday nights. Another person uses the gift of hospitality uh, to work in the children's ministry and to welcome parents when they come in. Some people use the gift of hospitality to be greeters at the doors. So everybody has different gifts, and we have different ways of serving with the gift that we're given. So you might have the same gift as another person, but you're unique. You have a different way of serving with that gift. Verse 6, there are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it's the same God at work. So that takes it to a third level. Different gifts, different places of service, and different ways of working in that service. So you may, for some of you, you may want to be out there in front of people because that's your personality. Other people may want to be in the background and just doing things that nobody knows about. You have different ways of working out in the area God's given you with the spiritual gift that's there. I love the, the, uh, the acronym SHAPE because it shows you how unique people are. Everybody, the, the word SHAPE, S-H-A-P-E. S, everybody has a different spiritual gift. We're, you know, that's it. Second, everybody has a different heart. What's your passion? Maybe you have this gift, but you have a passion for youth, and that's where you're going to use your gift. Third, everybody has different abilities. What are your talents, your unique things that you're good at that's going to allow you to use that spiritual gift where your heart is? P, what's your personality? People have different personalities, some very out there, some very reserved, uh, you know, uh, you know, Everybody has a different personality. How does your personality fit with the shape God has given you? And then your experiences. 
Everybody has different experiences, and through your experiences, you're going to be able to say, well, God's going to use that for me. We had a, a group of ladies in our last church. There were four ladies that had all survived breast cancer. And they became leaders in our county. Whenever some, someone had breast cancer, they were calling our church, hey, who are those ladies? We need them to talk to these people. They had had that experience, and they were able to then use it with others. So what we see is everyone's gifts are different, but those gifts are equal, and those gifts are complementary. That brings us to the third and final thing that we see. Therefore, we all need to use our gifts to strengthen the church and to fulfill God's mission in the world. Your gift is unique. It's special to you. No one else has that. And not only that, God expects us to use it now to fulfill his mission in the world. What happens next in our scripture passage is that after making that point about we all have spiritual gifts, they're all unique, we're all supposed to use them, Paul then gives an illustration. The rest of chapter 12 is an illustration, and it's the illustration of the body and how, how the physical body shows what he's talking about in the church. So let's, uh, uh, let's look at that and see what he's uh, talking about here as he gets into it. And the first thing is this, our salvation brings us into the body of Christ. How, why does any of this start in the first place? The fact that we were saved, the fact that we came to faith in Christ brings us into the body of Christ And he expects us to use those gifts. Look down at verse 12. Chapter 12, verse 12. He begins the body analogy. Just as the body, even though it's one, has many parts, all of its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. So he's just saying, look at the physical body. There's all different kinds of parts of the body. You've got fingers, hands, arms, ears, eyes. You know, the the hip bones connected to some other bone. You know, all all that kind of stuff. You know, and uh, so it's all these different parts, but there's one body. Now, the point he's making there is really very simple, is that you, even though you think that you're out there as an individual, you are a part of a body and you only function as a body. If I took my little finger off of my body and I put it here on the, on the, on the pulpit, it would be very painful, all right? But not only that, the little finger would become useless, wouldn't it? It could flop around there for a little while or something, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff, but it would be basically useless, So when you have people tell me, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I don't need the church, they're a finger away from the body. They're not a part of what God intended for them to be a part of in the very beginning. When you were saved, God called you into his family, and there was no choice in the matter. Look down to verse 13. For we are all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. So basically what he says is this. We come from every different place in the world. We have every different background. We are different people. And yet he's brought us together as one family and one body. Some of you were slaves, he said. Some of you were free people. Some of you were Jews. Some of you were Greeks. And yet now you are all together because he's made you one family, one body in him. And then verse 14. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. And so we are different people, different gifts, but we make up one body We all depend on one another. We all care for one another. We're all supposed to help one another. Interesting story out of Pasco, Florida this week, right down from where my wife is from. 
down there. There was a man that was laying sod in his front yard, had a heart attack. And uh, EMS came and, and got the gentleman, took him to the hospital. Uh, he, he's, uh, he's going to be fine. Uh, the firefighters then came back and did this. Got a picture of the firefighters. Oh, the other one. That's not a firefighter there, but that's a good picture. That's not one either. Let's try it one more time. We'll get it. We'll get it. There you go. What did they come back and do? They came back and laid sod. Why did they do that? They didn't even know this man. Had no connection to him at all. And yet after they took him to the hospital, they came back and finished sod in his yard. You know why they did that? Because somehow they believed that there is an interconnectivity between people. That we're all one. That we all are supposed to care for one another. Look out for one another. Be a part of one another. And that's what the church is supposed to be. A place where different people come together to sod each other's yards. Because we're all going to need it at one point. We're all going to need people to care for us and love us. And we care and love other people. Our salvation brings us in the body of Christ. The second thing we see in this body analogy is that each person is needed, each person is different, but each person makes up a part of the whole. Each person is needed, each person is different, and each person makes up a part of the whole. Look at verse 15. Now the foot can't say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. It would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. So I can't say, my foot can't say, hey, I'm not a hand, therefore I'm not a part of the body. Both my foot and my hand are a part of my body, okay? Uh, So one can't say, you're not important, I don't need you, or because I'm not you, I'm not a part of you. Verse 16, if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not cease to be a part of the body. So you can say, well, people have gifts that I value that I don't have. What are the gifts we value in the church? Evangelism, preaching, and teaching. And that's about it. Well, you know what? There's a whole lot more spiritual gifts than that. And uh, so what God is saying is, hey, I'm not an evangelist like Billy Graham, therefore I'm not a part of the body of Christ. No, guess what? If there wasn't somebody setting the seats before Billy Graham came, there wouldn't be any place for for him to preach when he got there. If there wasn't people getting the word out that there was going to be a, a, a crusade, then nobody would even know when he was going to be there. A whole lot of work took place before Billy Graham ever showed up because people were using their gifts in the body just as he used his gift. Verse 17, it goes on. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear... Where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. So he says, look, we all are dependent upon each other. It's only together the body functions. If you're the hand, you need the arm or you're not going to be connected to anything. If you're the ear, you're going to need the eye to see and the mouth to speak. And it's the same way in the church. All of our gifts are different, but they all work together so that God's work be done to its maximum potential. And that's what we need to realize, that it's all about us being together, being family, and working together. I read an interesting story this week. There was a a colonel in the U.S. Air Force by the name of Bruce Hollywood, which, by the way, I love that name. Bruce Hollywood, that's a, that's a, that's a good uh, uh, name, isn't it? And, uh, well, when he was born, uh, his, his uh, mother 
was uh, 16 years old. She'd had an affair with a U.S. soldier, uh, was very poor, and gave him up for adoption in Japan. Uh, he was adopted by an American uh, service family, taken to the United States, grew up his whole time. His parents kept telling him, you might want to go back and find your birth mom. He had no interest, never wanted to find his birth mom. They tried over and over again to get him to go find his birth mom. He said, I could care less. She gave me up. I don't want anything to do with her. Uh, two weeks ago, Bruce Hollywood suffered a heart attack. This is the heart attack sermon, by the way. And uh, he suffered a heart attack. And when uh, uh, they did the angioplasty, he was fine afterwards. And he started thinking, I need to find my birth mom and at least meet her one time in case uh, I die and something happens. So he sent word to the U.S. Embassy. They were able to track down his mom. Uh, last week, he flew to Tokyo he found her, and it was an amazing reunion. Had the picture uh, right here of their reunion when they met, when Bruce met his birth mom for the first time. But he found something even more interesting. When he got there, uh, the press was already there. His mother, who only speaks Japanese, was crying and talking. And he says, what's she saying? I don't understand what she's saying. And, she's, and he said, she's saying she's prayed for you every day. Since you were gone, she was 16, she was scared, she didn't know what to do, and all she did was name you, give you Bruce, and give you to the American couple. She now runs a restaurant that she owns named Bruce, after her son. And so what a reunion took place between this mother and this son, who didn't even know they were family, but had loved each other all of those years. That's what the church is. You might not think that you need the church, but God has loved you and provided a place for you from the very beginning. You are needed, your gifts are needed, and you're a part of God's family. And that brings us to the last thing that we see. We need to care for others and do our part so that God is glorified. We need to care for others and do our part so that God is glorified. Look down at verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And what parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, where our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together to give greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So there should be no division in the body, but its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers if one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Think of the parts of the body that we honor. When people get up in the morning and uh, they're getting ready, what do they spend all their time on? Their hair. They spend all their time on their hair. Man, they tease it and curl it and comb it and do all that stuff. And what's the hair do? Just kind of lays there. Does nothing, just looks good. That's all it does. How much time do we spend in the morning on our little toe? Do we get up and say, man, my little toe, I need to make sure that the the nails cut good and there's no fungus on it and all this kind of stuff. How much time do we spend in the morning on our little toe? None. What happens if one of your hair falls out? And I see that's happened to a couple of you. But what happens if your hair falls out? You're walking down the street and one of your hairs fall out. Don't even notice it, do you? 
As a matter of fact, you rub your hand through your hair and you got about a hand, handful of hair after you do it. What happens if you stump your little toe? Do you know it? Oh, yeah, you know it all day long. So parts we honor and parts we don't, but all have equal roles and equal parts. And that's exactly what he's saying here. And then it concludes in verse 27. You're the body of Christ. Each of you is a part of it. We are all gifted by God. We all have a role to play. And God expects us to use our gift for the common good to make the church stronger and to fulfill his work. Probably the, the biggest story over the last couple of weeks was the, uh, the uh, Thai soccer players uh, who were lost, called in the cave at, when the floods came. And, and uh, the whole world was kind of riveted uh, as to what was going on there. And then a few days ago, they were all rescued. And as they were bringing them out, there was unbelievable rejoicing. Everyone was so happy. The entire soccer team, uh, the whole nation of Thailand began to rejoice. The whole world begin to rejoice. I was reading people's feeds on Twitter and Instagram here from the church and people's like, man, I'm praying every day for these people in Thailand. Why were we doing that? Did you know any of these people? Had you ever met them? Would you ever meet any, even one of them? The answer is probably absolutely not. But the story riveted us, it held us, and it made it something that we cared about and prayed about. Because what we realized is that we're all in this thing called life together. We're all a part of it. And if one hurts or suffers, then we all were supposed to hurt and suffer. We live in a world that's become very, very selfish. Where people only care about themselves. And yet when a story like this comes around, it somehow unites people from all over the world Because they say there's something bigger going on here. There's something that we're a part of that's greater than myself. That the whole is somehow what matters. And that's what God's trying to teach us in the church. He's the center of it all. But you have a very important role to play in God's story. And if you don't play that role, then the church is less. The world is less. And you are less. And when you play the role, you'll be fulfilled in ways you never imagined. And God's kingdom will be made stronger. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you for loving us so much and giving us this great church family. Lord, our prayer is that you would help us to realize that we have a very important part to play in your story. And that we would fulfill it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, we come to this time of invitation where you're being invited to what God says to you. You can come and pray at this altar about needs and concerns that you have. Got ministers that love to pray with you when you come down. You can say, I want to join this church and be a part of what this church is doing in this world and community. And the most important thing is to come down and say, I want Jesus Christ in my life. And when you give yourself to him, you become a part of his family and you become a part of all he is doing and making in this world. But this is your time and your opportunity as we stand together and we sing.
the secret place where I see your face. Will you take me there again? You can search my heart in the deepest part from beginning to the end.
Please be seated. Hey, is Mariah Barley here? Where is she? Mariah, come on down. Come on up here, Mariah. Everybody wants to see you. Several years ago when Mariah was in high school, which is several years ago now, uh, she said that she felt God was leading her uh, to be more involved in the mission field. And with that in mind, she has uh, uh, gone with the International Mission Board to become a journeyman. For the next two years, don't listen, Mom and Dad. For the next two years, Mariah is going to be in Thailand, uh, in Chiang Mai, Thailand. How was that? that was okay, good. thank you. Thank you. She's going to be working at the Grace International School, a school where a lot of the missionary uh, uh, kids go. Uh, for the next two years, and she will be teaching there. And uh, so this is Mariah's last Sunday with us. She's going to be going to Richmond this week uh, to begin her training. And then when the school year starts, uh, she will be uh, in Chiang Mai teaching there. And so we wanted to have a special uh, time of prayer and commissioning for Mariah and uh, just an opportunity for you to come by and say a word to her and let her know how proud and happy you are of her. Anything that, that you want to say or? Oh, just talking to this. There we go. Um, I just want to say thank you all so much for all the support that you have given me throughout the years. Um, And I have been really blessed to be able to serve alongside all of you all. Um, So thank you for all that you have done for me. And I know that I am sent by you, and that gives me a lot of hope. Amen. Very proud of Mariah. We're going to have a special prayer for her, and uh, then you come by and, and say a word to her. You might also want to minister to Joan uh, as you go by. Uh, <laughs> that, that might be, be helpful as well. And um, also, uh, this morning, if uh, you're down the hallway and you see Ted Gibson, uh, Ted is 103 years old today. And uh, so... Um, you will know it's Ted because he has balloons that say 103 on his walker. Okay, so that's how you'll know it's him uh, if you see him. If there's somebody else, let me know. We'll recognize their 103rd as well. Uh, but let's have a, a special prayer for Mariah, and then you come down and say a word to her. Father, first of all, I just thank you for Mariah. I thank you for the family she grew up in that, that raised her and pointed her to you. I thank you for the, the call you put upon her life several years ago and how she's fulfilling that now. We pray for her uh, in the next few months as she goes into training and then goes to Thailand. Father, just give her peace of mind. Uh, Let her know this is your will and your direction, that you have great things planned for her. We just pray that this will uh, be great opportunities uh, and spiritual growth for her. But more than that, we just pray that your kingdom will be advanced through what Mariah is going to be doing uh, as she ministers to the children there. And, Lord, we pray as a church. We, we covenant with Mariah this morning that we're going to pray for her and be in touch with her and uh, let her know throughout the way that she's a part of a family here that loves her and cares for her and will always be there for her. 
And we sent her out with, your, with our blessing, with our love, and with our hope and anticipation of all that you're going to do. And in Jesus' name we pray it. Amen. Thank you. God bless you. hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Keyword, mywrbc. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening and join us next week for another message from God's Word.